Um, it's good to be together. And uh, like Charlene says, um, church in homes is good. And it's good for a, a season. It's good for a month. But it's just great to be together. And I can't wait for that community um, that community picnic. I mean, we're going to have such a great time. I, I can't wait to see uh, uh, Lloyd O'Ryan um, hit the touch rugby field again. Um, who else was on that touch rugby field? Tabang! Yeah, I can't wait for Tabang to get on there as well. So, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that community date. Please, can you diarize it? Set it in your 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 your, your calendar. Um, I mean, the kids can bring their their bicycles. There's a jungle gym. There's a sports field. I mean, you know, we're going to really have a great time together. So please diarize that. It's going to be a good time. And I'm sure Justine um, is going to do a bit of a tour around the school to show you where the vegetable garden is. Um, and so, Justine, you can also do some recruiting there. Let's see how that goes. But uh, it's going to be a great space together. Um, all right. So we are in our sermon series, Emotionally Healthy Church. And, um, uh, and uh, we're looking at the series of discipleship. Um, and it's been good to be in our groups, uh, particularly the time where we can share. This is a, a, a sermon series as we look at sort of uh, the subject of discipleship. Um, uh, we reflect on scriptures and we see the, the dynamic relationship that Jesus had with his disciples um, as, he, as they uh, grew into, into Christ-likeness. Um, uh, you know, the pages are full of the, you know, the, the, the Gospels of, of Jesus journeying with his disciples. And um, uh, I'm reminded of that scripture where Jesus uh, is choosing his disciples and he says to, to some, come follow me and I will make you fishers of people. Come follow me and I will make you, Jesus says. And he says that, as he says that to those disciples, he says it to us today, come follow me and I will make you. I will make you fish for people. Um, the, the, that, that scripture talks about an invitation, talks about this incredible journey, talks about a transformation, talks about us becoming more like Jesus, talks about a, a purpose, talks about a reaching out. There's so many interesting things that come to my mind when I think of this term discipleship. Over and above that, just my own experience of discipleship and um, how I was discipled and how I'm able to disciple others. So this is a big topic, discipleship. Um, it's an interesting topic. Um, as much as we look at sort of the many scriptures that are out there, there is also this idea that discipleship could be understood in three terms. And uh, I, I've preached on it before. Brandon's preached on it before, where we look at discipleship as being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus and doing what Jesus did. Um, in a nutshell, that we look at this, uh, this idea of discipleship. Uh, Peter Scascaro, in his book, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, is um, what we're using um, for our uh, sermon series. Uh, it's a great book. Uh, it's an easy read, but there's some profound truth in it around discipleship, and I encourage you to, to get a copy. Um, but he talks about discipleship, and he comes to the challenge of discipleship, saying, and he speaks about discipleship being very shallow. Um, you know, it's an inch deep and a mile wide uh, is his observation of discipleship. Um, and I guess his book, it's it, what the, the truths we get out of his book and just the, the you know, um, highlighting the state of discipleship in the local church. Um, uh, in many of the things that he's sharing is, is, is stuff that I agree with. And I, I, I assume many of us on the on the screen would also agree not so much. I mean, you wouldn't so you wouldn't uh, verbally say that discipleship is shallow, but there could be other things that 
that sort of uh, are, are getting you to think about discipleship and, and ask ourselves the question, should discipleship change? Or what, what, what different things do we need to engage with, with discipleship? Because at the back of my mind as a church leader, um, uh, I've always thought that, that something needs to give with discipleship. Something needs to change with discipleship. And I think COVID has created that moment for us to say, well, let's re-look at discipleship. Let's look at it. And, uh, um, and as we look at it, we find that discipleship is more than just participating in a worship service. Discipleship is more than listening to the sermon or even engaging in the sermon. It's more than attending a small group or serving faithfully in a ministry or giving financially. Those are very important. But I, I, I believe that they can't be um, the cornerstone. They can't be the foundation of discipleship. They are aspects of discipleship. But I think for the church, we've fallen into this trap of, 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 of um, relating to those things as key components of discipleship. And I, I want to challenge that as much as Peter Scascaro in his book challenges that. I want to show you the slide. Um, so, um, so Eleni, uh, I can share screen here. Yeah, you should be able to. Um, so do I get the slide first? I did this last week. Ah, got it. Can you all see the slide? Yes. Yes, Steve. Okay. I'm just opening it up. There it is. That's, that's good. So uh, Peter Scascaro in his book, he talks about sort of the traditional way of discipleship and he talks about a transformational way of discipleship. So what he's saying is that in the traditional way of discipleship, there's not much transformation that happens. Now, we can debate that. We can challenge that. But it's so important to, to understand his, uh, what he talks about, sort of the traditional way of discipleship, the transformational way of discipleship. And it speaks into those components that I mentioned that sometimes we, we uh, identify discipleship as. Anyways, he talks about traditional discipleship as somebody that meets Jesus. Then they attend church. And as they attend church, they connect, they serve, they give. And then they will have an impact in the world. And uh, that's sort of the journey of discipleship. Come follow me, Jesus says, and I will make you fishers of people. And I guess this is the... Um, this is the, uh, the process that Peter Scascaro is talking about or the journey you go on. But then he goes on to say, well, let's challenge that because it's more than that. Um, it's more than connecting. It's more than serving, more than giving, as, as important as those are. His idea is this, is that we come and we meet Jesus and we come to church, we attend church, we come into community. And then what happens is there is this deep change that happens in us. And he, and he uses the analogy of an iceberg as sort of like, you know, nine-tenths of an iceberg is underwater. And so the, the traditional way of discipleship is that we focus on the one-tenth above the surface. And he's saying, no, we've got to go deeper. We've got to go deeper. And when there is deep change, there is greater impact in the world. When there is, uh, when there is, deep, uh, imp- when there is deep change, um, then there is a, a, um, a greater impact in the world. And so it's just important for us to just frame uh, this morning and certainly this, this journey that we're on, that, um, that the question that we need to ask as we visit this topic of discipleship is this, what are the beneath the surface failures that undermine deep discipleship 
and keep people from becoming spiritually and emotionally mature. Wow. That is quite a challenge. And uh, uh, we've, we've, had, uh, we've had two weeks of it now. Um, you know, we've looked at uh, breaking from the past and, and another group has looked at, at, at pain and grief or loss and grief. And, um, and, and certainly this is a challenging way of looking at discipleship, perhaps a new way of saying, what does it mean to become more like Jesus? It's not, it's not the one-tenth above the surface. It's the nine-tenths under the surface. And this new way of, 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 of approaching discipleship is to ask that question, what are, the, what are those beneath the surface issues that we need to deal with um, so that we might experience a deep transformation and have a long-term impact in the world. I mean, that's our desire, isn't it? That's what we, that's what we hope for um, as we go on this, this discipleship journey with Jesus Christ. See, but the problem is, and, and the reason why Skiskero has probably written this book, is that we've, we've learned to disconnect emotional health from spiritual health. We've learned to disconnect emotional health from spiritual health. Um, and, uh, uh, and this inconsistency, um, you know, we think that we can become spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. There is that disconnect between spiritual maturity and emotional maturity. And, and, uh, and sort of the way discipleship has been over the many years is like, let's build you up spiritually and don't worry about the emotion. And, uh, you know, when, when we come to faith, we, t- we told about it's not feelings, it's 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 it's. It's fact, it's faith, then feelings. And so the feelings has taken a backseat almost. Emotions has taken a backseat when it's come to discipleship. And I think now it's coming to the fore, particularly with COVID. And Colette, in, um, she led the prayer meeting this morning, and she was saying, COVID, what it has done is it stirred our emotions. And what a better opportunity to explore doing discipleship different or going beneath the surface, looking at those, those things in our lives that we need to deal with um, and not turn a blind eye on. And, and somehow we've become comfortable with people that are emotionally immature um, and, uh, and, and want to become spiritually mature. There's, it's almost like turning a blind eye. Or it's almost, uh, you know, as I said, focusing on the one-tenth of, of, of the surface. But we've got to go beneath the surface. And we've got to get to the point where we cannot accept that we would have somebody who's a gifted speaker, but yet he's a detached spouse and he's an angry parent at home. So what you see on a Sunday um, doesn't reflect what you see from Monday to Saturday. Or, you know, somebody who functions as a a powerful leader, but is unteachable or is insecure or is defensive. Somehow we look at, we turn a blind eye and then we say, okay, you can lead in the church, but, but, you know, we notice these things in your life, but it's okay, don't worry. Or we we see people that, or we place people in positions where they, they lead people for God. And that's their motivation on the surface. But beneath the surface, their primary motivation is an unhealthy need to be admired by others. Or what about somebody leading a ministry? You know, um, you know they might do well in leading that ministry, but, but we, very, we see little transparency or, you know, there's, um, you know, they don't share struggles. They don't share weaknesses or their limits. Or you don't sense, the, or you've never experienced that time of vulnerability that, that comes from that, that leader. And so as a church, we've become comfortable with those things. We've accepted those things, but, but beneath the surface, no, that's, you know, I'm not a counselor. You know, we're not going to touch on emotions. We're not going to, let me tell you this, that if we don't go beneath the surface, 
we will continue to engage with discipleship at a very shallow level. And discipleship won't be transformational. It will be purposeful to make us look better, to make us feel better. But we've got to go beneath the surface and we've got to ask that question. What are the beneath the surface failures that undermine deep discipleship and stop us becoming spiritually and emotionally mature? Wow. Isn't that a mouthful in terms of an introduction? Some of you are saying, I'm so glad I'm not part of your community. <laughs> oh, boy. But, uh, but I mean, I'm loving this stuff. That's why I'm so passionate about it because it's, it's time, guys. As much as I've called us to, to see church as different, to see ch church to change, this Kairos moment that we talk about, it filters down into discipleship. And so last week we looked at, um, some groups looked at breaking from the past, Petri and Mina, I know that you guys are going to do that next week, and it's, uh, you're in for a treat. Um, and the rest, uh, and uh, um, uh, we did that, and you did uh, grief and loss, and we're going to do that next week. But it, we, need, we need to persevere as we look at sort of what is it that we need to, like, what are those, how do we, how do we develop, how do we grow, how do we mature emotionally as much as we do spiritually? Those two need to come together. Um, um, and so I've preached many sermons on discipleship, but I've never focused on the topic that we're going to look at today. And the topic we're going to look at is limits. Can you believe it? We're looking at discipleship and it's on limits. Um, taking it a step further, it's not just on limits. It's seeing limits as a gift from God. Seeing limits as a gift from God. Very interesting. Uh, and, and the reason why probably I've never preached a, a sermon on discipleship looking at limits is because our wider culture, what do we hear about limits in our wider culture? The sky is the limit. There are no limits to what you can do. I mean, you hear those Olympians that stand up with that gold medal and they go, reach for your dreams and you can achieve them. You know, you can strive for your dream. And you can, it's almost the sense that the wider culture actually says that this, there are no limits. Actually, I feel like the wider culture downplays limits. I feel like if, if I have to question you now, if you have to question me, you know, I don't want to share my limits with you. I don't want to share my limitations. And I certainly as a pastor don't want to hear your limitations when you serve in a, a ministry in the life of the church. What does that say about what the wider culture is, is doing to influence the way we, we disciple? And so um, you will get to the point where you will discover that you can't do everything you want to do and that the sky isn't the limit. There are limits in life. Actually, there are healthy limits um, and uh, they are important for every area of life. The way that you work, the way that you play, the way that you live your life, there are limits and uh, we need to uh, um, understand that. And you're saying, come on, surely there's more to discipleship than understanding that there are, more to, that there, that there are healthy limits of life. But like if you, well, I certainly, I don't want to point fingers at you, but I point fingers at myself. It's like, um, you know, when we, when we come to the place of saying, I don't want to talk about my limits, my weaknesses, my failures, you know, but when we, when we live in that reality, we, we live in denial. Or, you know, we, we, we don't engage with reality when it comes to our limits. And so the wider church culture um, has no language for limits. And if it does, it's the sky's the limit. And that's not, 
that's not a, a healthy understanding. Well, what about our church culture? I heard of the story of this guy that was in a, he was um, driving his car. It was a busy highway, three lane highway. And he was in the far right lane, the fast lane. And he realized he needed to take that, uh, that um, off ramp. And so what he did was he, he didn't indicate and he cut right across the, the one lane and he cut this calf behind him that had to stop. Uh, he didn't apologize. The next thing he cuts into the, the left lane and he cuts over a solid white line. And then as he cuts over into the solid white line, he quickly gets off and he, and he sort of um, he makes the, 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 the off ramp. And as he makes the off ramp, there's another guy that's behind him and he sees the back of the car and there's this bumper sticker that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. <laughs> I mean, it's a silly example, isn't it? But uh, be careful what uh, sticker you have on your car. Because I think when we have this discipleship that looks at the, the things above the surface, we use scriptures like that to, to speak into that, uh, that, that wider culture. Like you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can, but you take it out of context when you go from the right lane to the left lane and you break about three laws and you, I nearly said a word, but you, you, um, you tick somebody off while you do it and you make that person sin. Um, and then you say, yes, I got from that lane to that lane. And I, I, I use that as a, a silly example, but it, it, it makes a point. What about this scripture? 1, 1 Corinthians 2.9. Um, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, nor heart um, of any man imagined, what God has prepared for those, to, what God has prepared for those that love him. We can do it. We can, we can go to the ends of the earth. We can, we can save the world. No, we can't. No, we can't. But hear what I'm not, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm going to get to that later on in my message. But I'm just setting it up this morning in terms of saying, as we look at discipleship and go below the surface, the subject that we need to look at are limits. Not only limits, but that limits are gifts from God. And I, I, I'm sure this is the first time you've heard that from the voice or the mouth of a pastor. <laughs> limits are good. Limits are good. They are good as we journey on this discipleship road of going beneath the surface. All this to say that our response to the wider culture, limits are seen as an obstacle to, to overcome. Limits are seen as something we need to control. Limits are seen as something that we need to deny. Limits are seen that we are seen as we need to turn a blind eye. That's within the wider culture that we live in. But within the church culture, um, we, we say that God, God will use us despite our limits. Um, no, I, I disagree. God won't use you despite your limits. God will use you with your limits. God will use you with your limits. Um, and, uh, and that's so important for us to, to understand. You see, when it comes to this idea of limits, our limits, when we surrender them, it becomes quite a, a deeply spiritual matter. When we surrender our limits, when we surrender our weaknesses, when we surrender our insecurities to God, they become a deeply spiritual matter. You see, Scazzero would say this, a core mark of emotional, healthy discipleship is a, deep is a deep theological and practical understanding of limits. Um, let me say that again. A core mark of emotionally healthy discipleship is a deep theology and a practical understanding of limits, of our limits. Um, you see, 
when we don't understand or embrace our limits, um, we compromise our ability to love God, to love ourselves, and to love our neighbor over the long haul. Um, and when we identify our limits and we surrender there to God, um, we almost are saying we acknowledge that God is God and we are not. It's that, it's that really sense of coming to that dependence on God in our weaknesses, in, in our limits. I love Job 11, verse 7 to 9. Um, can you find out the deep limits of God? And it goes to talk about that his limits aren't limited to the highest heaven. They aren't limited to the deepest um, depths. They aren't limited to the length of the earth or the, the breadth of the sea. That God has no limits. But but when we understand our limits or when we embrace our limits, we realize that we are not God because God is limitless, but we have limits. And so we, we, when we come to the place of understanding or uh, um, sort of uh, surrendering uh, to our limits and we take that to God, we, we indirectly are saying, Lord, you are limitless. Um, here are our limits. Here are my limits. Uh, it's just such a, a, a opportunity to, to, to depend on God. You see, when uh, how we choose to understand and respond to our limits goes to the core of our relationship with God. Goes to the core of our relationship with God. I want to read you a quote by Skiskero in his book about limits. He says, and yet um, limits offer us so many gifts. They protect us so that we don't hurt ourselves, others, and God's work. They keep us grounded and humble, reminding us that we are not in charge of running the world. They break our self-will. They are God's means to give us and our ministries and directions if we will listen. They are one of the primary ways that we can grow in wisdom. And perhaps most importantly, limits are places we encounter God. And in ways uh, that were that will that would otherwise be impossible. And perhaps the most important, limits place us to encounter God. And so, as we look beneath the surface on this journey of discipleship, there are these limits that we need to these limits that we have, um, and these limits can hinder our emotional maturing as they hinder our emotional maturing they hinder our spiritual maturing does that make sense yeah can i carry on all right okay sure i got i got to fight there everybody was so somber everybody was like what is this oak on okay you with me we are going to uh we are going to uh, into a journey of transformation. We do need to go, go beneath the surface. And it's hard work. It's hard work. But it's worth it, hey? It truly is worth it. Okay, so you know where I'm going to go this morning then, don't you? To our limits. <laughs> to our limits. And, uh, and what I want to say is receiving the gift of limits requires three three questions that we need to ask ourselves and that's the emphasis of the, the application of, of going below the surface and looking at our limits. And so um 
because Gero mentions two of them and I added a third. So the first, the first point about um, looking at limits as a gift from God, we need to discern by answering these three questions. The first is um, the limits to receive. The second is limits to break through. And thirdly is um, limits that we can embrace as gifts of God. So we're going to look at limits to receive, limits to break through, and limits to embrace as a gift from God. Is that good? Okay. Let's, um, when it comes to sort of limits to receive, the question that we need to ask ourselves is, what limits do I need to receive and submit to joyfully as God's invitation to trust him? Wow. Quite a heavy question or quite a revealing question or quite a, a you know, an engaging question. What limits do I need to receive and submit to joyfully as God's invitation to trust him? As God's invitation to trust him. So let's look at this limits to receive. Let's look at these limits to, to receive. Um, one of the indicators that we are on the road to spiritual maturity is that when we live and live joyfully with God's given limits in our lives. So we've heard that the parable, um, that gets, somebody gets uh, one talent, somebody gets five, somebody gets ten, and uh, the guy that buries the one, uh, you know, the master comes and says, oh, what are, you, what are you doing? And so that's the emphasis of that, which is right. But I think what we miss is that everybody has different graces. Everybody has different talents. And as everybody has a different talent, then everybody has different limits. And, um, and, and, and that's so important that the grace God has placed on me to have X amount of talents is different to a Petri or is different to a Tim different to Kate and uh, I think the danger when it comes to discipleship above the surface is that what we say is that everybody's got the same because we have the same God the same power the same energy the same world we've got to reach and um, and that's not true and so the problem is is that we need to Receive our limits, because if we resent our limits, um, we start to resent ourselves and we start to resent others and we start to uh, uh, look at other people and uh, we live these frustrated, disappointed and angry lives. Um, and there is this the sense of, of like, you know, um, wanting somebody else's journey or wanting somebody else's ministry or wanting somebody else's life. And. And, um, and that's dangerous. And uh, I guess that's why burnout is, is related to not identifying with our limits because burnout is about giving something that you don't possess. The pressure actually of giving something that you don't possess. You see, the unwillingness to embrace our own limits leads us down a path that we live a life that God never intended for us to live. When we don't embrace our own limits, then we get to the place of living somebody else's life. So I'm just going to close this book. Then we, we get to, to, to live somebody else's life, and, and that's not what God wants for us. And so the, the positive of receiving our limits, this is, limit seems to be a negative term, and I hope it doesn't become a negative term, because it's something that we need to embrace, is that you know, when we receive our limits, there is so much 
there's so much power in that. There's so much liberty in that. There's so much like um, direction that we receive in that because you know it it helps us in our discernment of of God's call on our lives, of God's mission for us. Um, and so there's a couple of things that Skiskera talks about in terms of you know how do you receive your limits, and he talks about. Um, couple of things he says um you know you, you need to explore the limits of your personality and temperament you need to explore the limits of the season of life you need to explore the limits um of of your time and uh, it's so interesting because when we look at the church the church never took that into account and i'm being harsh on the church so um please like uh, related to your experience but discipleship in the church and church involvement is like you know church takes priority doesn't it over everything you know church um you know um uh, uh um you know um if there's a call on your life you need to engage irrespective of your limits irrespective of the limits of your personality and temperament of the season of life of 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 of, of your time and i guess going below the surface and engaging with limits is that we can say hang on Let's look at those issues, and so just touch on a couple of couple of those that uh, that I want to elaborate a little bit more. As much as looking at personality, temperament, season of life, and looking at your time, uh, we also encourage to look at uh, there are limits in your in your um, family of origin. Now, those that did the this, this the, the talk last week, you understand your family of origin, and uh, whatever your family of origin. Uh, all the, the limitations that, that you experience from that and that have been passed on to you, God's, handing is, God's hand is moving through and over your, your family of origin. And those painful moments and uh, uh, those moments maybe of abuse or neglect, neglect or abandonment or, you know, the, the, those, those negative painful moments that God would use, that God would take those limits of your family of origin um, and, and use it for good. So the limits that I inherited from my family are turned into to gifts, but only if I embrace them as my limits. And when we understand our, our limits that are passed on from our family of origin, we become more dependent on God. We become more sensitive and less judgmental when it comes to understanding that, uh, that there is limits in your family of origin, but God could take those limits um, and, and, and use it as a gift. Um, Another another limit when we when we look at sort of limits to receive is the limit of your your marriage and your singleness. So the question that you would need to ask yourself if you are if you if you are married is that what do I need to do today to lead out of uh, to lead out of a healthy marriage for Christ. And in in your singleness, the question that you need to ask yourself is that what do I need to do today to lead out of a healthy uh, place of singleness today and so it's in your marriage or your singleness like like what are the limits that you experience there and uh, how does God use those limits as a gift as a gift and then there's the other one that Skiskera talks about is like the limits related to emotion and physical and uh, intellectual capacities and um and sometimes we, we ignore that or we, we turn a blind eye with that. And then what happens when, when, we, when we don't like, look at the, when we don't receive those limits? You know what happens is you place them in a position of ministry or you place the position in your life. And when you don't listen to that, it actually lands up worse than you think. 
because you're not you're not you're not prepared or you're not you're not built for that particular ministry or you're not uh, to to engage in in that particular area of life uh, when you don't understand or you don't embrace or you don't receive your limits and um just to be quite vulnerable with you guys is that something I've struggled with ever since I was a young kid um and uh, for those that 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 um that don't know that I grew up in a children's home I shared this last week in terms of our uh, our family of origin and uh, I came to faith in Christ and uh, became part of God's family and he worked uh, he worked in a lot of areas of my life and uh Having said that, I, I, I reconciled with my mother and she became a Christ follower and I baptized her in the faith. And uh, so we, we, our relationship was restored. I, I didn't get to restore my relationship with my dad, but certainly with my mom I did. But, but nevertheless, the life I lived was that life. And uh, by the grace of God, that, uh, that he saved me in more ways than one um, coming out of the children's home. But one thing that I, I had to grapple with most of my life related to the uh, the limits of sort of uh, the emotional, physical, and intellectual capacities is that I am severely dyslexic. And so some of you might have picked it up, <laughs> uh, and you'll pick it up when I'm least prepared and I'm, when I'm very tired. And so I remember, like, with our kiddies, being young, like, young kids, and uh, my desire to read them stories and the... Uh, struggling even to to read children's books it's just a weird reality um and uh and i've always tried to hide it and not see it as a limit um so it was a limit i didn't receive and i remember at school that uh, i i came into leadership position at school and every monday i would have to take assembly and uh, i would have to read out names and i i remember going to the office asking like an hour before, could I get a list of the names? Because I needed to reread those names. Um, because uh, if I didn't, I'd, I'd get into trouble. Um, it's the whole thing of, you know, if I had to just deny that I had that, that, that problem, then I wouldn't, then I'd find myself in a tough position. But, but I need to receive my, my, um, my limits. And um, I remember the one time I was in the church and uh, I was pastoring the church and uh, I hadn't prepared well and I was very tired. <laughs> the two triggers, eh? And um, and I was preaching, and I messed up royally. I mean, you know, like, but to the to, to the untrained eye or the untrained ear, no one would be the wiser. So, anyways, I, it was a Methodist church in those days, and I remember standing at the the door because the pastor had to go to stand at the door and shake everybody's hand, and people would walk past and say, "What a nice speech," <laughs> you know, <laughs> that sort of vibe. And um, and this lady came with her son, and she goes thanks Steve for your message. And I said, Oh, that's cool. And she goes, can I ask you a question? And I said, yeah, yeah, sure. She goes, um, are you dyslexic? And in that moment, I could have lied and asked for forgiveness. You know, that sense of like, Whoa, somebody's discovered my limit. I can't believe it. And then I, um, I, I, I was about to say no. And I, I think the Holy Spirit took over and I said, you know what? I am dyslexic. Um, and, uh, and she said, and she turns to her son and see, see, look, even Steve's dyslexic and look, look how great job he's doing. You know, look, look what he's done with his life. And I'm going like, yeah, 
that's a great sort of blessing for that little oak, but I'm just depleted. I'm broken. My vulnerability has just sapped all the life out of me. And uh, I'm just like feeling very vulnerable at the moment. And, uh, um, but it, 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 it was an incredible journey of, of receiving that, that limit. Um, and it's amazing to, to see when you receive your limits and you surrender them to God, that he uses it for his glory and his purposes. So we will go into groups a little bit later. You know what that means, eh? As vulnerable as I am. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I know it's, 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 a, it's a difficult thing. Um, but we need to receive our limits. Okay, moving on. Secondly, what we need to do is we need to understand there are limits to break through. Um, and it, it, it flows from the point that I mentioned of my experience is that there are many Bible examples of, of characters that, that identified their limits, but yet as they identified their limits, they surrendered it to God and God was able to transform that limit to a power, to, to a blessing. Um, we see Elijah, he was, uh, he was um, affected by serious doubts of depression, but yet God was able to take that and use it. Timothy was very fearful and shy by nature, and, and God sent him to the biggest church in the time in Ephesus, where there was division, problems, and conflict. And God used Timothy in that way. Gideon was very insecure, and God used him to lead an army of 300 to defeat an army of 135,000. You know, Moses had a, a slowness of speech, but he was able to lead two to three million people. Jeremiah, they say he had a, a melancholy temperament, but God used him powerfully. What about this great example, a, a little a young teenager called Mary from a very poor family, living in a small town, not more than 200 people. Pregnant outside marriage, scandalous to the point of, of, of the sentence of being stoned, that, um, that God was able to use that for his glory. And so limits that we experience in life are often God's blessings or gifts in disguise. Um, but isn't it great just as a church to be able to speak so freely about things below the surface that hinder our emotional maturity and will also hinder our spiritual maturity. Hinder in my life, that spiritual, that emotional maturity. If I turned a blind eye to that and I, 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 I denied that I had this limit. Um, I'd be, I'd be, a, you know, I'd be emotionally bankrupt. But not only that, I'd be spiritually immature. Um, see, there is this reality uh, that we don't use God for the work that we do. We don't use God's power for the work that he's called us to do. God uses us for the work that he is doing. And he will use your limits. See, God doesn't powerfully and supernaturally present himself in a situation. He can. But if you look at the Bible, if you look at the scriptures, the disciples, people that followed Jesus, that, that he, he presented himself in and through them. And so he would use limits and he'd, break, he'd, he'd, he'd encourage people to break through their limits to be used by God. So when you look at somebody and you see, like when you look at the scripture and say, yeah, I want to be like Gideon. I want to have Gideon's power. I want him, I want to have Gideon's, like the way he leads. I want to lead like Gideon. But, but, but you missed the story. It, it, Gideon was, Gideon was um, insecure. That's the power. Gideon was insecure and God, pres God presents or pre pre uh, 
presented himself or presents himself in Gideon and works with his limits and there is a breakthrough in his limits to be a mighty leader. Does that make sense? It's so important that you understand that. So I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yes, but what are you going through in that moment that he's strengthening you in? It's not for you to be a super Christian. That's discipleship above the surface. It's the discipleship below the surface that brings transformation. So that in our weaknesses, there is breakthrough in that. And there is God's power. There is God's power. So we need to receive our limits. We need to see limits as breakthrough. And then finally, we need to um, embrace our limits as a gift from God. Are you still with me? Because I'm as raw as a... uh, don't know what. Um, anyways. Um, so the last point is we need to embrace our limits as a gift from God. Wow. Listen to the scripture. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 to 11. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly my weakness so that Christ so that Christ's power may rest on me and that is why for Christ's sake I delight in my weakness in insult in hardship in persecution in difficulties for when I am weak then I am strong ah. isn't that an amazing scripture Just a couple of thoughts on this in terms of how do we embrace our limits as a gift from God? And I'm hoping you hear me this morning saying that, like some might say, are you saying that my limits disqualify me from from experiencing God's love and engaging in ministry? And the answer is no, definitely not. What I am saying is that God uses our limits for his glory. Actually, limits don't disqualify. Limits qualify when we surrender it, when we identify it, when we receive it, when we allow breakthrough, when we embrace it. And so the scripture that for me, what what sticks out is like that Jesus would say that my grace is sufficient for you. And maybe some people need to hear that today. That perhaps the limits that you've experienced in your life is, is What's the word as um, 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 your limits have weighed you down? Maybe some of you are saying your limits have disqualified you. Maybe some of you, you, you're in an area of ministry in M5 and you're hating it. Or it's such a drain. It's not where God wants you to be. Mm. Maybe there's some people here that you haven't received your limits and uh, you're probably my age maybe even older, and you've lived with that, that that secret, that limit that you have. And Jesus would want to say, my grace is sufficient for you. Isn't that encouraging? That my grace is sufficient for you. So like if I didn't receive my limit of dyslexia, like I wouldn't be able to experience God's grace to the, to the level that I have. Or my desire to depend on him. And the crazy thing is, the, the more I, I 
own my limits, the more God places me in upfront positions or in leadership positions. Look at a 17-year-old boy becoming head boy of the school that is so dyslexic that he couldn't put two sentences together. Who gets the glory for that? I mean, not me. So that when we receive our dyslex- um, when we receive our limits and uh, we allow God to break through, he turns around and says, my grace is sufficient for you. Hear that this morning, people. Jesus would say to you, my, in your limits, my grace is sufficient for you. And then he says, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. Your limits should not make you feel inferior. But when you don't surrender it and when you don't receive it and when you don't allow God to break through, you do feel inferior. Um, see, limits don't disqualify you or diminish what God wants to do in your life in and through your life. It actually enlarges you. Your limits don't define you. God does. And then it, that scripture ends with this, Christ's power is made perfect in our weakness, in our limits. Christ's power is made perfect in our limits. And then it goes to say that Christ's power may rest on me. That's what Paul says. May rest on me. And it's this whole idea of Christ's power. You know what Christ's power is? Not the Midianites of 300 defeating the Philistines of 135 with Gideon or Timothy or any one of those. You know where Christ's power is made manifest? You know where Christ's power is, is um, uh, what does Paul say? You know when Christ's power is made perfect or when Christ's power rests on me is in that moment of vulnerability. Uh, in that moment of vulnerability. Um, and there's a, a, a lady, uh, Brown, I forget her first name. Um, um, Candace, what is her name? Uh, it'll come to me. And she talks about vulnerability, that, uh, that uh, when we embrace our, our limit, um, uh, there is this vulnerability that we will experience. But that's, that's the essence of discipleship when it comes to our limits. Um, the more we protect ourselves from vulnerability, the more we grow fearful and disconnected. Um, being vulnerable means that the opposite to that then, um, that we engage fully and openly with the world around us. When we become vulnerable, um, uh, uh, it's, it's, um, it's taking the courage to put ourselves out there. And I've shared on M5, I've shared with uh, many of you on the screen, I've shared some vulnerable moments with you in terms of my life, um, in terms of my relationships. And, um, and it's interesting when I'm, when I'm vulnerable to that, to that level, uh, the response is overwhelming. The response is, well, thanks for sharing with me. You know, I've also gone through that. And I'm going like, really? Or thanks for sharing that with me. And there's, an, there's, a, there's a powerful moment that is developed in one's vulnerable moment. And there is the cost to vulnerability. As I'm sitting here now, I'm feeling very raw. I'm feeling very, um, uh, uh, um, you know, um, well, not exposed because, I mean, we're part of a church community and we love each other and we've got grace for each other and we, you know, but there is that sense, um, you know, vulnerability is putting yourself out there. Um, vulnerability is like the, the uncertainty, the risk, uh, emotional exposure. That's what it's about. Um, uh, and, and, but that's all worth it. We need to, um, you see, to love is to be vulnerable. 
And when we understand that, we get to the place of embracing our limits as a gift from God. Amen and amen and amen. Ah, sure. Who decided on this sermon series? Not me. (laughs) But but I believe this series, chatting to uh, Candice and Brandon and Chantal, uh, this, it's, it's such a timely series for us as M5 that, uh, that as we ask God for what he wants to do in and through us, we get to the place of saying, Lord, we want to go to that, that discipleship that below the surface. And, uh, and so let's, let's deal with our limits. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to go into breakout rooms. Um, please just bear with us. I know we've gone over time, but this is such an important topic and, and we really do want to connect. We're not going to go into community groups. That's going to make you a little bit more vulnerable. Um, and uh, the opportunity for you to share. Um, maybe you want to share a limit that you received. Maybe you want to share a, a, a limit of breakthrough, or maybe you want to share how you've embraced the limits where God has got glory. Do you understand those three opportunities to share? Yeah? Okay, we're going we're gonna to share, um, spend some time together, and then we'll come back and close. Is that okay? Let's pray. Father, we want to come before you in the name of Jesus by the power of your Holy Spirit. We want to come before you, Father, in the name of Jesus by the power of your Holy Spirit. And we thank you for the call to become your disciples. And I pray that as we engage in this this time together, uh, I pray this would be a grace moment that that we feel... You say to us that my grace is sufficient for you in your limits. I pray that at the end of this time, we begin to understand or grapple with this idea that, that, that our limits are actually a gift from you. And so I pray that as we go into this time of sharing, uh, won't you minister to us in Jesus' name? Amen.